and a warm welcome to another edition of the Christian Faith Radio Hour. This is David Canfield. I'm recording this on Thursday, April 6, 2023. In the previous episode, I got into Daniel chapter 2 and the vision of the great image in that chapter that shows us the four great empires that would rule over the earth from the time of Daniel, which was roughly 600 B.C., uh, up until the Lord's return. So, so far that's a span of basically 2,500 years. And I'd intended to go on to Daniel chapter 7, but then I just felt there's just so much more to consider in this chapter that apply, really applies so much today to what we see in the world going around us. So it seems like it's worthwhile to get into that chapter and consider what it shows us from the standpoint of human government. And then also, I wanted to take some time to consider specifically the matter of Christ as the stone, because, of course, he's the stone that strikes the image on its feet and smashes it. And the topic of Christ being the stone for God's building is really a great matter throughout the whole Bible, and we need to spend some time to consider that. So my thought is, in this program, to take more time to consider Daniel chapter 2 and the lessons we can learn from that about the situation of human government on the earth. And then in the next program, to go on and consider Christ as the stone for God's building. So that's the plan. We'll see how that works out, but uh, that's my thought at this point. So the first uh, point I want to make is just just to reemphasize something I shared last week, which is this great image of human government in Daniel chapter 2 really shows us how close we are to the Lord's return. Because again, we see in this great image the four stages of human government on the earth, beginning from the Babylonian Empire under Nebuchadnezzar at the time of Daniel, and then the Medo-Persian Empire, which was right at the end, uh, uh, took over right at the end of Daniel's uh, life. Then you went on to the Alexandrian Empire, and finally you have the stage of the Roman Empire. That's the legs of iron. And that's the stage that we're in today, because Western civilization, including the United States, States, really comes from the Roman Empire. And so... Already we can see from this great image, we are in the last of these four stages. But more than that, we're actually in almost the last phase of the last of these four stages, because we are in the stage of the feet. And the reason why we know that is that in this great image, the feet are made of iron mixed with clay. The legs are made of iron, but in the feet you have the iron mixed with the clay, and that signifies, and we got into this more in the program last week, and I'll link to that below if you want, haven't listened to that yet. But iron in the Bible signifies ruling authority, whereas clay signifies the mass of the people. So when you put these two together, the iron and the clay, what you have is the autocratic principle mixed together with the democratic principle. And that kind of situation in human government, especially in Western civilization, only began to happen at the time of the American and French revolutions in the 18th century, the late 18th century. So that's when the stage of the feet began. And that is the stage that we are in today. Now, the legs, of course, are the biggest single part of this image. But the feet are a very small part, relatively speaking, of this image. So that shows us we are close to the end. Because we're in the stage of the feet, we can see we are very close to the end of human history. Now, we're not quite in the last phase of the last stage, the Roman Empire. The last phase will be the phase of the Ten Toes. 
And that will happen. These ten toes will rise up as the ten kings, signifying the ten kings, at the time of the Great Tribulation, when they will rise up to assist Antichrist in his reign over the earth. That will be the final phase. But even today, we are so close to the end because we're in the stage of defeat. And that should give all of us, as the believers in Christ, real encouragement as we see the uh, age growing ever more darker and uh, corruption and and lawlessness. And it seems like everything is breaking down around us. We should be very much encouraged that according to this picture of the great image, we are very close to the end of human history and to the Lord's return. Praise the Lord for that. The Lord tells us in Luke chapter 21, verse 28, when we see these things begin to happen, we should lift up our heads because our redemption is drawing near. Well, everything this this image has foretold has been fulfilled in human history. And it assures us when it says the stone is going to come to strike the image and smash it and sweep it away, that's going to happen. And as the believers in Christ, we should really take a lot of encouragement uh, from that fact. that we, we, we know we are very close to the end of human history. You know, if uh, I thought maybe someone should make a poster of this uh, this great image, and uh, you could put it on your wall, and then you put one of those stickers, "You are here." Put that on the image. It would be right almost at the very end, right at the feet, at the at the very bottom, the very last part of this image. And just as a reminder, we're so close. We are so close to the Lord's return. So we should be very encouraged by that. Praise the Lord for that. And related to this matter is the second point I want to make that. You know, we do see everything around us crumbling to pieces now. It seems like all the, the moral foundations of society are being overthrown and, and lawlessness, as the Lord said, would be multiplied. Uh, and, and that for sure is another uh, sign of the Lord's soon return. That's Matthew 24, uh, verse 12. And uh, so we see these things happening and, we, and we're just, we should be very, very concerned about it. And we don't know exactly what the future holds, of course, in, in America, but... Uh, but you have to be very concerned about the situation. But what we see when this stone strikes the image, what it shows us is that human government by its very nature is not what it appears to be. The, just by the stone striking the feet, the whole thing is smashed to pieces and gets swept away. Daniel tells us it's like the, the chaff on the threshing floor getting blown away by the wind. It just, just swept right away and there's nothing left. But the stone that strikes the image is so solid and it, uh, eventually it grows and becomes a kingdom. It, it fills the whole earth. And that it should also encourage us. Yes, human government isn't solid. It's, it's not what it appears to be. But uh, the stone, which signifies Christ and his kingdom, is so solid and, and so weighty. And that's what we are a part of today. As the believers in Christ, we are part of this kingdom that eventually is going to fulfill, going to, fu- going to fill, rather, the whole earth. And again, that should be a real encouragement to us to stand for Christ and his kingdom and not to be overly concerned when we see uh, the pillars of uh, society and and, uh, um, any kind of moral basis for a healthy society being swept away. We should be concerned about that, but still we should realize our hope is in the Lord's return and in his kingdom. Praise the Lord for that. Now, the third point that I want to make and somewhat related to to that point, is what we see from the book of Daniel when we compare Daniel chapter 2 and Daniel chapter 7 is that mankind is not able to rule the earth in a human way. He's not able to rule the earth as God intended, not in his fallen condition. Of course, when you go back to Genesis chapter 1, 
when God created man, he said, uh, let him have dominion over everything, over the earth and over everything that was on it. That's what God wanted for man. He wanted man to rule over the earth on his behalf. But because of the fall and because sin entered into us at the time of the fall, we became incapable of ruling as God intended. And really, that's, that's what's being proven uh, now through all the different phases of human history that we're going through, is just how incapable man is, man is of ruling over the earth. So you have this vision of the great image in Daniel chapter 2, and it's a human image, and it's, it's splendid, and it's awesome. And, uh, and it's really impressive to the prophet Daniel and to the king. Well, that's because that dream... That was the dream that King Nebuchadnezzar had, the Gentile king. And that's how Gentiles look at human government on the earth. It's, it's splendid. It's awesome. You have all these great buildings and a lot of military force sometimes and uh, all these ceremonies and pomp. It, it looks like it's supposed to be something so awesome and splendid. But that's what the Gentile king saw. When Daniel, the prophet of God, saw these same four empires in Daniel chapter 7, he didn't see them as, as anything human. Instead, what he saw was these four ferocious beasts coming up out of the sea because he saw the real nature of human government on the earth. It's ferocious, it's violent, uh, tre treading down everything and uh, devouring everything in its path. That's the real nature of man's effort to rule on the earth. Mankind, because of the fall, is not capable of ruling over the earth in a human way. And the situation is going to get worse and worse, uh, especially in these, these last days that we're in, until the rise of the Antichrist. And then you'll just have a time of total anarchy and chaos and lawlessness on the earth and un, uh, maybe unprecedented bloodshed. We just don't know how bad it's going to be at that time. And just total uh, devastation. And that's when mankind is going to see to the uttermost he's incapable of ruling as he should. And then the Lord will return to establish his government on the earth. But that's what you see when you compare these two images. Mankind is not capable of ruling as God intended. He thinks he is. He thinks he can. I'm going to do so many, you know, you put me in charge, I'm going to do all this great stuff for everybody. And sometimes, by the Lord's mercy, there is a government, and I think that's what we have in America, that is, or at least which has been, more benevolent than others. That takes some really divine intervention. But in general, uh, the government of, of man on the earth is just cruel and depressive and uh, uh, causing so much suffering. That's not what God intended. You look at the situation of the earth today, uh, all the, uh, the wars going on and the, the contention and the struggling and the strife and uh, fighting back and forth, that's not what God intended for mankind. And, and that's what you see in the book of Daniel. Mankind is not able to rule as God intended. And that we need to be deeply impressed with this fact. But there's another reason why the earth is such a mess today. And that is because we as mankind have rejected the only human being who ever lived who showed by his life on the earth that he was competent and capable and qualified to rule over the earth as a man in the way that God intended. And of course, that man was Jesus Christ. He came as a lowly man, a lowly babe, born in a manger in such a humble way to a humble family. And he grew up, he lived a life that was uh, absolutely sinless. It was in perfect dependence upon God. 
and perfect submission to his will to the point of being willing to go to the cross. And he offered the kingdom to Israel. He came and he told them, just like John the Baptist did before him, repent for the kingdom of the heavens is at hand. He wanted to bring the kingdom to Israel and through Israel to bring his kingdom to the earth. But the Jews rejected Jesus and they delivered him up to the Romans. The Romans crucified him, uh, put him in the tomb. And so Christ had to leave the earth. He couldn't stay uh, on the earth. He ascended to the heavens. That's where he is today. And in, in, in his place, we as the church, as the believers in Christ, as we've shared in previous program, our commitment from the Lord today is to bring his kingdom to the earth in a hidden, mysterious way. That's our commitment. But in an outward sense, the only one who is capable of ruling over the earth in a, in a good and a beneficent way, the only one who could do that has been rejected. And that's why, as a second reason, the earth is in such chaos today. It just couldn't be otherwise, because the one God has ordained to rule over the earth, we've rejected. So everything has to be in chaos. Everything has to be in disorder. That's the natural consequence of the choice that we made when we rejected Christ as our king. We need, we need to be clear. God has ordained Christ to be king over the earth, not because he's the son of God, not just because God loves him, but because as a man, by the life that he lived, he showed that he was capable and competent to be the ruler that God desired. In Acts chapter 13, the Apostle Paul is giving a message. And he says this in verse 22. He's talking about God deposing Saul and raising up David. And this is what he says. And when God had removed Saul, he raised up for them David, a king, to whom he also gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who will do all my will. And that shows us the principle that God is looking for in those who would reign under his authority. He's looking for those who will do all his will. And of course, David was a type of Christ, and he was an imperfect type because he fell into sin. But Christ lived a life that completely fulfilled God's will, that was completely pleasing to God in every respect. And that's why God has made him king. Act, uh, Revelation, rather, uh, chapter 3, verse 21, he says, uh, Jesus here is talking to uh, the church in Laodicea in one of his epistles. And he says, to him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. So why did he sit down on the throne in heaven? It was because he overcame as a man. He dealt with all the opposition. He dealt with all of Satan's attacks. He dealt with every temptation. He overcame, and therefore he sat down on the throne. And of course, uh, Philippians chapter 2 in that famous passage talks about how Christ humbled himself. Again, you see the same principle. Uh, Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, in other words, based on all that he went through, all the way in which he humbled himself, Verse 9 says, therefore, 
God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven and those on the earth and those under the earth. So why should every knee bow to Jesus? Because he humbled himself in the way that he did. And in doing that, he showed he was fully qualified to rule over the earth on God's behalf. And that's why God has appointed him to be the rightful king of the earth. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 5, Jesus says, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And of course, he's giving a, a, a message there to so many of those who followed him or who had some thought about following him. But that principle applies to Jesus himself as well. Why is he going to inherit the earth? Because he came as the meek and lowly king. In the Psalms it says, uh, He will drink from the brook beside the way, therefore he will lift up his head. Same principle. He humbles himself, therefore he will be exalted. And of course in Matthew 21, verse 5, when he comes to, to Jerusalem, uh, he came on a donkey and uh, uh, quoting the Old Testament, it says, Tell the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. So he didn't come fighting. He didn't come uh, struggling, crying out, uh, contesting with other people. He stood for God's righteousness. For sure there was a struggle and a conflict there. But he did not come to make himself king. He came to stand for God's uh, authority on the earth. And therefore, because he overcame every obstacle, because he overcame every form of opposition, God has exalted him and said, okay, you're the one I want reigning over the earth on my behalf. Now, there's a very important spiritual principle for us as the followers of Christ to learn from this, which is if we desire to be those who reign with Christ in the coming age, then we need to follow in the same path that he took that path of humbling ourselves, that path of death and resurrection, so that we are also qualified to reign with him. If we don't overcome, if we don't follow the Lord in this way, we will not be qualified to reign with Christ during his millennial kingdom. We'll still reign with him for eternity, but we will not be qualified to reign with him during that 1,000-year period prior to eternity. And, and, and to go back to that verse uh, I just read, Revelation chapter 3, verse 21, To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. So this shows us if we do not overcome, we will not sit on the throne with Christ. And then there's so many uh, passages in the New Testament that makes this clear, but I think so many Christians have no idea about this because we hear the side about God's free grace. Well, there is that side of the truth, but there's another side, which is if we want the reward of reigning with Christ, we need to be faithful to follow him in this age. And there's so many passages, as I say, that uh, that speak of this. Second um, Timothy chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. Uh, Paul and Paul's epistle to Timothy, he says, this is a faithful saying, for if we died with him, we shall also live with him. If we endure, we shall also reign with him. In other words, if we don't endure, we will not reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. Very, very sober word. And recently on, on the, the website, I've been sending out some notes that uh, talk about the, the parables of the talents and the, par and the minas. The par parable of the talents and the parable of the minas. A uh, very, very sober word. In the parable of the minas, the uh, servant who doesn't produce anything has his mina taken away from him. And he doesn't get to reign over any cities like the other servants do. 
That's speaking of believers. It's saying if you don't produce anything for Christ, if you're not faithful to produce something for him in this age with what he gives you, he's not going to trust you to reign over a city in the next age. That's not going to happen. And there's many other passages we could cite along these lines. Uh, We need to get more into this probably uh, as the Lord allows in in coming uh, podcasts because this is something so many Christians have very little concept of. But it is a big principle in the Bible that if we want to reign with Christ in the coming age, then we need to follow him in the path that he took on the earth of death and resurrection to enter into glory with him in that 1,000-year period. In eternity, as I say, yes, all the believers will be reigning with Christ by that time. That's been settled already. The moment we believe in Christ, that part is settled. What's not settled is where we will be and what we will be doing during the 1,000-year reign of Christ on the earth. Very, very serious matter. And as I say, we'll get more into that in in future podcasts because I really think uh, Christians need to hear more about this. But that will do it for this segment of the program. We'll take a short break and then come back uh, with a couple of uh, final points on this topic. I just want to take a minute to remind the listeners that this program is being produced in connection with my website, which is thechristianfaith.org. Uh, I hope you'll visit that. I think there's a number of very useful resources on there to help you with your spiritual growth with your walk with the Lord and with your serving of the Lord, and to have a view of what God's purpose is. If you want to subscribe to our e-letter, which we send out a couple times a week, just click on the subscribe link there. And if you'd like to contact us, if you have comments or questions about the program or about the Christian life in general, you can send us a note at notes at thechristianfaith.org. Welcome back. At the end of the last segment, I was talking about how the world today has rejected Christ as its rightful king. And that's the reason for the chaos we see on the earth today. And I want to take the opportunity to share about something that I think, again, not many Christians are clear about. And that is that Christ today has not yet entered into his office as king. You know, in the Bible, you have three basic offices for serving God. There's the office of prophet, the office of priest, and the office of king. Well, when he was a man on the earth, Jesus surely was a great, great prophet, the greatest of all the prophets, telling us so many things about what was was going to happen in the future. And as a man on the earth, when he offered up himself on the cross, he fulfilled the Aaronic priesthood, the, the, the sacrificial priesthood. And today in heaven according to the New Testament, and especially according to Hebrews, he is our heavenly high priest, our heavenly Melchizedek, who is urging us to come forward to God. So praise the Lord for that. He's fulfilled the office of priest, just as he's also fulfilled the office of prophet. But he hasn't yet taken his position as king. In the New Testament, after the nation of Israel had rejected Christ as their king, It doesn't refer to him again as king until the very end of the New Testament when he's coming to take possession of the earth during the Great Tribulation. I know today uh, there's some Christians, they they think it's spiritual uh, uh, to refer to King Jesus. uh, But whenever you hear that, my guess is, I know I certainly do, I always feel it's not quite right. Well, the reason is when you say that, you're not honoring Christ, you're insulting him. 
what you're saying is he's responsible for the mess we see on the earth today. That's not honoring Christ. We say, what kind of a king is this? You rule over this kind of chaos and this kind of disorder and unrighteousness and lawlessness. You're not doing anything about it? That's not an honor to Christ. As I say, that's an insult to Christ. The ruler of this world today is Satan. He is the ruler of this age, not Christ. Now, John 12, 31 is very clear. He, Satan has been cast out as the ruler of this age. That's true. But that's only in a moral sense. Practically speaking, he will not be cast out until the Lord returns and Satan is cast into the abyss. Then Christ will set up his kingdom on the earth and then he becomes the king over this world. To go back again, once again, to Revelation chapter three twenty one. And, and pull out another aspect of that verse. Again, it says, To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne, as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. Do you see what it says there? When he overcame, he sat down on the father's throne. He is not yet on his own throne. So, yes, he is ruling in an indirect way over the earth. He's the ruler of the kings of the earth, but he himself is not yet the king over the earth directly because he's on his father's throne. He's not yet on his own throne. That does not happen until he returns. Matthew 25 verse 31 is very clear about this. When the son of man comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. And this is talking about the judgment of the sheep and the goats when the Lord returns. So when it says, then he will sit on the throne of his glory, that indicates he is not now on his own throne of glory. That's not going to happen until he comes back. Matthew uh, 19.18 is another verse along those lines. At the time of the restoration, then he will sit on his throne. And I appreciate Schofield's note on Revelation chapter 3.21, which says he sat down on the Father's throne. He says this passage, this is in the Schofield Study Bible, uh, his note on Revelation 3.21, this passage in harmony with verses like Matthew 19.28 is conclusive that Christ is not now seated upon his own throne. And there's a reason for that, which is if he were to sit on his throne, if he were to take the kingship, then he would immediately have to deal with all the unrighteousness that's in his kingdom because he is the righteous king. He cannot tolerate any kind of unrighteousness, any kind of lawlessness in any way. He is absolutely righteous. So the first thing he does when he comes back is to gather the nations before him. And you have the judgment of the sheep and the goats. Matthew 13 also talks about the fowl being cast out at that time. As soon as he comes, all unrighteousness on the earth is going to be dealt with. Praise the Lord for that. But he's not yet doing that because he is giving men a chance to repent, giving them a space of time. People, of course, today, they misinterpret that. They feel God doesn't have his judgment. They don't, they're losing their fear of the Lord, which is a, a, a very, very terrible thing. It's scary. But his heart is he wants to give people time to repent. And that's why he has not yet taken his office as king. But in the future, of course, that's going to come to an end. And then he will sit upon his throne as the king directly upon the earth. And that's when all unrighteousness on the earth will finally come to an end. It will finally be dealt with. That's when the stone in Daniel chapter 2 comes and smashes the great image and wipes it away. And all the chaos, all the confusion, all the uh, uh, sin and lawlessness and corruption, all of that will be over. Praise the Lord, swept away. And Christ will come and establish his millennial kingdom on the earth.
But we need to be clear, that hasn't happened yet. He is not the king yet. We look forward to the day when that will happen, but it hasn't happened yet, and we need to be clear about that. As another factor, you could say why there is so much suffering on the earth. And if you have a friend who asks you about that, you might be able to, if you want to get into the word with them a little bit about this, you could point out he is not yet reigning as king over the earth. That will only happen at the time of his return. Well, in this program, we've dealt with some pretty negative topics, and in the last few programs as well, as a matter of fact, related to the history of the nation of Israel uh, or to um, human government upon the earth. And so I wanted to end this program by talking about a very, very, very positive topic. Now, now that you have the man who God has ordained to rule over the earth, now that he is sitting upon the throne and has taken his position as king, what do you have at that time? Well, at that time, you have the 1,000-year reign of Christ upon the earth, the millennial kingdom, praise the Lord. And that's going to be wonderful beyond anything that anyone could ever imagine. Praise the Lord. All the suffering, uh, all the hardship that we've endured as believers, we'll, 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 have, we'll just think it's like, it's like nothing compared to the joy and the, the rejoicing and the, the grace we experience at that time. It won't yet be a time of perfection. The time of perfection doesn't come until eternity. The millennial kingdom is still in the old heaven and old earth, so it's not yet a time of perfection. Satan is bound, and he's in the abyss with his uh, fallen demons and fallen angels, so they can't trouble the nations anymore. But you still do have uh, people who are in the flesh, and who may be obeying God, but only in an outward way. In their heart, there may still be some rebellion against the Lord. And from time to time, that rebellion will, be, will break out and cause some trouble. But the millennial kingdom is not going to be like today. Today's the age of grace. The rebellion breaks out all over the place and nobody thinks anything about it. The situation is so crazy. At that time, if there's any kind of rebellion and any kind of disobedience, it will be dealt with immediately and very possibly uh, by people being sent straight away to the lake of fire. Because you can't blame uh, Satan anymore at that time for your sin. This was something that you did directly by yourself. So you bear the sole responsibility for it. So you have to be judged for that. Uh, Revelation chapter 2, uh, verses 26 and 27, the Lord here is making a promise to the overcomers. He says, And he who overcomes and keeps my works until the end, to him I will give power over the nations. He shall rule them with a rod of iron. They shall be dashed to pieces like the potter's vessels, as I also have received from my father. And that's what that's talking about. At that time, the overcomers will rule over the nations with a rod of iron. There's not going to be any mercy at that time. Any sin will be dealt with immediately so that it does not disturb the perfect harmony and righteousness of the Lord's kingdom. So it will be a time that's just wonderful beyond, like I say, anything that we can imagine. And you see uh, hints of it here and there all through uh, the Bible, in the Old Testament, in the prophets especially. Just I, want, I just wanted to read a couple of those. And, of course, there's a very famous one in uh, Isaiah chapter 9, 6, and 7. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder. Praise the Lord for that. The Lord will bear the government at that time. And his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. It's just going to be a time of unspeakable peace and harmony. How different from the world today. What a mess the world is today that we live in. It's just uh, 
we can't even uh, we don't even appreciate it because we don't see what God originally intended. We won't realize it how much the world is suffering today, probably until we enter into the millennial reign of Christ. But at that time, it will just be such perfect peace and, and such perfect harmony. Uh, Isaiah chapter 11, verses 3 through 10, talking about the Lord reigning on the earth. His delight is in the fear of the Lord, and he shall not judge by the sight of his eyes, nor decide by the hearing of his ears. But with righteousness he shall judge the poor, and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he shall slay the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his loins, and faithfulness the belt of his waist. The wolf also shall lie down with the lamb, the leopard shall lie down with the young goat, the calf and the young lion and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young ones shall lie down together. The lion shall eat straw like an ox, the nursing child shall play by the cobra's hole, and the weaned child shall put his hand on the viper's den. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Praise the Lord for that. What a wonderful situation that will be. The earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Just overflowing uh, with righteousness and the fear of the Lord and people living in harmony under the authority of the Lord and under the authority of Christ as the king reigning on the earth at that time. Praise the Lord. Micah chapter 4, verses 3 and 4, that's another one. He shall judge between many peoples and rebuke strong nations afar off. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. But everyone shall sit under his vine and under his fig tree, and no one shall make them afraid. For the mouth of the Lord of hosts has spoken. And you can find all kinds of uh, references like this in the Old Testament, just talking about what a wonderful period of time that's going to be for that thousand years on the earth when the government finally is upon his shoulders and he rules and reigns in righteousness on the earth. Man's government is coming, has come finally to a complete end and all the unrighteousness is over. And if it does express itself, it gets finally and completely dealt with. Like it will at the end of the millennium, after that time, Satan will come out of the abyss for one last rebellion and all the people who still have that rebellion in their heart against the Lord, he'll lead astray uh, and fire will come down and consume them and then we go into the new heaven and new earth where there will be perfect and unlimited righteousness and peace at that time. Praise the Lord for that. So that's the future that awaits us as the believers in Christ. And hopefully that gives us a much better perspective on the world situation today. It is not what it should be because the government is still in the hands of man. It will not be right until the government, until the Lord returns and the government is put into his hands and he has responsibility as king over all the earth. And that's our hope. That's what we, our expectation and that's what we should look for as we follow and as we serve the Lord today. Praise the Lord for that. What a hope he's given us. So that will do it for this edition of the Christian Faith Radio Hour. Uh, I hope you found it helpful, and as the Lord allows, we hope to be back with you again soon. Thank you so much for listening to this edition of the Christian Faith Radio Hour. For more resources, you can visit thechristianfaith.org, which is my website. If you'd like to receive my e-letter, just click on the subscribe link there and enter your email address. And to connect with us by email, just send us a note at notes 
at thechristianfaith.org. Until next time, may the Lord keep you in His way for His sake and His glory. In Jesus' name, amen.